today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Our health will go. We will say goodbye to people that we love. Things that we've invested our life in sometimes don't work out. And so Peter, writing to a group of people that are beginning to worry, but what if persecution comes and takes away my family? What if persecution comes and takes away my money? What if persecution comes and takes away my standing? He says, don't worry. You have something far better than all the treasures of earth. You have an inheritance that you did not earn that is being kept in heaven for you. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. As Pastor Ricky continues his teaching through the book of First Peter, he'll be reminding us that there's no trial or tribulation that can overshadow the glory of our salvation in Jesus. You can lose your health, your career, you can even be persecuted unto death. But this is only a light affliction compared to eternity in heaven. You have an inheritance waiting for you in heaven, and the Lord has sealed you until the day of redemption. So take heart and remain at peace. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message entitled, Hope Beyond the World. We don't think about inheritance a lot in our modern culture, right? I mean, in our modern culture, Inheritance is kind of a sporadic random thing where maybe you had an aunt that was unexpectedly wealthy that she left everyone money, right? I mean, that's, or maybe a a parent passes away, but a lot of times, even a lot of inheritance expenses go to end of life care. So inheritance is is not a big cultural thing that we're really depending on in America anymore. But in the ancient world, friends, inheritance was everything. It was everything. Um, If you were the first son, you got the kind of the majority of the inheritance. And that meant that you had a way to make money, that you had a way to be stable, a way to support your family, a way to have standing in the community. Now, if you're the second son, you got a lot less, but maybe you're thinking, okay, I I can use this. I can turn this into something. If you were like the fifth son, you got this. Thumbs up. I love you, buddy. And you're thinking, I don't have a way to make money. I don't have any property. I'm going to have to, I mean, and there weren't a lot of options. It's not like you could just go to college in the ancient world, right? And come out as an engineer and get a job. I mean, you took very limited career options. It was like, join the army, probably die, or be bored, or maybe get on a ship or something. I mean, like, they're just not good options, right? Inheritance was everything. Inheritance was your livelihood. It was your future. As a kid, I loved the movie Ben-Hur. Do you have any Ben-Hur fans here? Come on, man. Yes, I love Ben-Hur, right? So in Ben-Hur, if, you, if you've seen the movie, even if you haven't, um, he goes from kind of being uh, like a, a, a Jewish noble person to being a slave. And the way he, he goes from being a slave, though, to being the son of a powerful Roman person. And the way he goes from being a slave on a ship rowing, that scene with, I feel like there's just 15 minutes or 20 minutes of rowing in that movie, right? Like, it's a great movie, but we get the fact that they're rowing, all right? Like... They're wrong. So he, he escapes when they get attacked. He saves the life of this person. The person adopts him. And all of a sudden, he is the inheritor to this big estate. He becomes a noble person. He has standing. He has money. He has power. Everything. Slave to son of a noble person like that. Here's the thing about our inheritance, though. We didn't do anything to inherit anything. In fact, 
if Ben-Hur were rewritten to be our story, it would be like this. We escape and try to kill our boss, right? We escape and try to kill him just the way we rebelled against God and said no, right? Except that the boss sends his son to save us because we get into trouble. So then the boss saves us and then we're on a raft with him and he says, I know you tried to kill me, but here's the thing. I'm gonna give you an inheritance. And you'd go, I just tried to kill you, right? I rebelled against you. I, I spat at you. I hated you. And he says, yes, I saved you. And guess what? You have an inheritance. Peter is in awe of the fact that we, the people that only did things to deserve punishment, have received a great deal of riches that we did not deserve. We've received an inheritance. And then he describes the inheritance, like as if that's not a big, as big a deal as it should be for us. This inheritance is imperishable, okay? Meaning that it will never expire. It has no expiration date. It won't go bad. It won't be like, well, does that still apply? No. Imperishable. This hope is undefiled. It's never going to be corrupted by a change in God's character. It's never as though God's going to decide, oh, I'm not going to keep that promise. There's no stain that's going to come on this inheritance. This inheritance is unfading, meaning it is as bright today as that day when you receive it, as it was yesterday. It's not as though you're looking kind of at your inheritance and you're seeing the way your parents are living and you're thinking, oh, wow, you guys just went to the Caribbean. That means I'm probably not going to go to the Caribbean. Right? If that was my inheritance, then, oh, you're in Europe now. Oh, okay. You know, your inheritance, you just, you see getting drained. No, no, no. What, what Peter says is this inheritance is unfading. In fact, it's increasing all the time. How is that possible? See, the, the, the thing is that everywhere in this world that you could keep an inheritance as a safe place can be lost in an instant. A country that you think can't fall, history will tell you it can fall, Right? A company with you have stock in that seems a juggernaut, it's going to keep trucking for another 200 years, it can fall like that. Your life savings like that. The price of gold, I hate to tell you, that can go down too, right? You can lose everything in gold. You can. You can lose everything in anything that you put your hope in. Except, Peter says, there's a difference. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In other words, it means that your inheritance is being kept in a place that is untouchable by the things of this world, all right? No, no um, kind of economic collapse is going to affect your inheritance. No country's collapse is going to affect your inheritance. No family collapse is going to affect your inheritance. No health collapse is going to affect your inheritance. Why? Because it is kept in heaven for you. It is as bright today as it was when Jesus purchased it as it will be when you receive it. It is unfading, imperishable, kept in heaven for you, meaning that it can never be taken away. But then you might think, well, what if I fail along the way, right? There's a lot of stuff that could happen between now and the inheritance. What if I mess up my own inheritance? So Peter adds this. It's unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Who, he says, by God's power are being guarded. 
So not only is your inheritance guarded from the things of this world, from economic and country collapses, it's guarded from you. Who, by God's power, are, it's almost as though he's using, the, using a military term where there's like a garrison around you. That you're on your way to heaven and you go, hey, look over there. And God's like, nope, keep going. You have an inheritance, right? You're being guarded by God's power so that you receive it. Look, that's insane. We get an inheritance that we don't deserve, that can't be corrupted, that's kept over there, that's protected even from us. And we did nothing to deserve it. All we did was put our faith in Jesus Christ, who paid for our sins and raised us to new life. That's crazy. But that's the gospel, guys. Our hope cannot be taken away. So what are the things that you fear most could be taken away from you? Is it your family? Is it your health? Is it your reputation? your one precious talent that you do better than anybody else that you feel like gives you your identity and your meaning? Is it your house or your car? Friends, the reality is that everyone, every one of those things can be taken from us in this life. And friends, if we live long enough, most of them will be taken from us. Our health will go. We will say goodbye to people that we love. Things that we've invested our life in sometimes don't work out. And so Peter, writing to a group of people that are beginning to worry, well, what if persecution comes and takes away my family? What if persecution comes and takes away my money? What if persecution comes and takes away my standing? He says, don't worry. You have something far better than all the treasures of earth. You have an inheritance that you did not earn, that is being kept in heaven for you, that is glorious and bright. And as long as Jesus is alive, you have the hope that you're heading there. And he is alive. This hope cannot be taken away. So rejoice. That's what Peter says. Third, a hope that provides meaning. Verse six says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see how Peter's big on rejoicing in this passage? It's like, this is the second of four uh, commands to either blessing or rejoicing in the passage. In this, you rejoice, though now you've been grieved. Look, Peter is honest. This world is hard. This world is painful. I love that he includes various trials because it's never like the one thing, Right? It's not like, oh, I'm going through a trial and that's all the only thing that's hard in my life. There are various trials, several trials that we're dealing with at one time. But he inserts this phrase, though now for a little while. In other words, he says, when you look at the scope of eternity, that endless year is just a little while. That week that you wish to forget is just a little while. Even that hard decade is a little while. It's not permanent. It's not eternal. It doesn't affect your inheritance. But Peter also does not want them to think that their suffering or trials are just meaningless. They're not random events that serve no purpose. There is a purpose, Peter says. Now, 
I want to be careful here because in Scripture, we're never given a full picture of every reason in every case that suffering occurs, okay? So sometimes there can be some unhelpful speculation about, okay, I'm in a trial. What does it mean? And we have this desire, like we have to find the exact thing that God is doing. Listen, God is probably doing 10,000 things through your trial. You'll get to know most of them in eternity. But in Scripture, there are glimpses where God allows us to see his purpose in trials. And so here's one glimpse. Here's one reason that we know that our trials are not meaningless. Our trials are not meaningless because they test and refine our faith so that when we stand before Jesus, it will result in praise and honor. Now, if you're in trial, there's a good chance that me saying that sentence you're not immediately rejoicing. You're like, oh, so I'm in trial. The good thing about it is that my faith is being refined so that sometime in the future, Jesus would be glorified. Look, we can be honest as Christians. Sometimes that doesn't catch our hearts like, oh, yes. It can go, well, I don't understand. I think we need to have a major mind shift here because what matters most to God and what matters most in eternity is often not the thing that we think matters most in this moment. But think about it this way. Listen, in light of what God has done for us, right? In light of the fact that we're receiving this amazing inheritance, that we're not receiving hell or judgment or wrath that we deserve, in light of the fact that we're not receiving a lot of things that we should, and that we are receiving a lot of things that we shouldn't receive, that we didn't do anything to earn, what is the deep desire of our lives. When we meditate on what Jesus has done, the deep desire of our lives is this. I just want to somehow glorify God. In light of who I used to be and who I am now and where I'm going, what I want to do is ask, okay, Lord, in light of all you've done for me, is there some way that my life, as brief as it is, can bring praise and glory to you. Then Peter says, yes, there is a way. God is glorified as we put our full faith and our full hope in him and lean wholly on him. See, the issue is the genuineness of our faith. And listen, when we come to faith in Christ, we come to faith in Christ. In other words, we believe in him. But as any Christian can tell you, there's some imperfections in our faith, right? <laughs> there are times we go through trials where we, we get a little wobbly, right? There, there, are, there are questions that we have of God that sometimes are charges against God. There are things that God will do that then we'll kind of balk at and go, oh, Lord, what are, you, what are you doing? I don't know if I have faith. And so Peter says, one of the purposes of trials is that trials are like a refining furnace that burn out the imperfections of our faith so that we more and more and more, lean 100%, 110%, 200%, 1,000% on Jesus. Where we thought, I've got all my faith in God. Now, God looks down and says, no, there's some things in your faith. And I'm going to allow trials to test it, to sift it, to pull those imperfections out so that as you grow in your faith, you grow in dependence and faith on God so that in the end, our faith is shining and brilliant and a testimony of praise to Jesus Christ. And so it's as though God is saying, 
Here's all I've done for you. And our response is, I want to glorify you. And he says, here's one way. Hold on to faith. Allow your faith to grow and not be shaken in trial so that I'm glorified. Our ultimate goal as Christians is praise. And sometimes we need glimpses like this so that we understand that, 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 that trials are not just meaningless. God uses them. Trials are not wasted time. God uses them. Trials are not random. God uses them to result in deepening our faith and deepening our praise. I'm just going to do one more section, and we'll leave it there, because I, I believe we've got to end by singing today, since that is the main application of the text, right? I can't preach the prop. Even in trial, we're to be a people of praise because we're a people of hope, and then not end by singing. That would be weird. So we've got to end by singing. But I want to do verses 8 and 9. Verse 8, and this is the next section. This is the one I'll close with. A hope that results in salvation. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, Peter pauses to commend the church. He says, look, I, I was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. I walked with him. I spent three years with him. And listen, when I came to you and preached the gospel, he wasn't physically there with me. But I preached and you believed. And you know what's amazing about that? You haven't seen him and you love him. And Peter says, that's glorious. He says, do you see how supernatural and amazing it is to love someone that you have never seen? Do you see how amazing it is that you believe in him and you are actually rejoicing in trial and you've never laid eyes on him? That is glorious. That is supernatural. And Peter, seeing their faith, encourages them with this. That kind of seeing Christ, grasping him, loving him, does something. It assures us of the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Now, you might say, well, wait, wait a minute. I thought he said earlier we were guarded for salvation. I thought we couldn't lose it. And then he's saying, well, it's a good thing you see him and love him because, you know, I don't know if I could guarantee the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And you're like, whoa, you can't, you can't say we're guarded and then on the other hand, say, well, you see this in us, so you know that we're for sure guarded. Well, this is, what, this is what Peter's doing. For those who have truly believed in Christ, their hearts have changed. They have become a people who trust and believe in someone they have never seen. They, they may struggle with sins and setbacks, but after being changed, they will be guarded. They will persevere. They will obtain the outcome of their faith. But notice what Peter does. He says this, I see this in you. And because I see it, I know you will see salvation. There are other passages that challenge us to make sure we keep running the race or we're gonna find ourselves surprised that we're outside of salvation. But, but right here, Peter is bringing this up to reassure the people. He's saying this, Christian, if there is anything in you that loves somebody that you've never seen, 
that believes in something that you haven't fully tasted, that, that has changed you, that has done something so supernatural in you that you have reoriented your life for somebody you've never laid eyes on, if that is there in you, Peter says, that, that is proof that you will see salvation. And here's what I want you to feel today. If you've been in trial, you've probably struggled. You probably had setbacks. You probably got nervous. You probably brought questions to God. But I know this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there is a thing fighting in you that says, I want to believe. There's a thing in you that says, I, I do love Jesus, even though this is hard. There's a thing in you that says, I'm following somebody I've never even seen. And Peter wants to tell you, you will see the salvation you long for. And I know it because that thing in you is supernatural. You didn't do that. There is a supernatural thing happening in your heart that you should look down and see. And even though the trial has lots of fog in it and you're questioning and you're wondering, there is a thing in your heart that says, I still love Jesus. And Peter sees that and says, yes, that is supernatural. Do you see that? You're going to make it. That is God guarding you for salvation that's going to be ready to be revealed on the last day. So if you wonder, am I going to make it? I love Jesus, but am I going to make it? Yes. If there is anything in you that loves Jesus, that has placed your faith in Jesus and is clinging to Jesus, however tenuously, you're going to make it. Amen. You will make it. Peter says, that's a sign of a soul on its way to heaven. So rejoice. Peter's main point here is this, even in trial, we can be a people of praise because we are a people of hope, because we are a people of a living hope, of an unshakable hope, of a hope that is so supernatural that the presence of it reassures us that we're going to see salvation. And that means whatever your trial is, whether it's physical, whether it's relational, whether it's work whether it's hardship, whether it's pain, whether it's loss, whether it's a hope that's gone unfulfilled, you have reasons to rejoice. That's why Peter can rejoice. That's why you can rejoice. I want to very briefly highlight this on the last slide. Do we have the last slide? Throughout this series, I want to encourage you to think through the three core values of our church and how this passage applies to them. And our three core values are simple. They're just gospel, community, and mission. And very briefly, I want to encourage you with our value of the gospel. I want to encourage you to dig deep into gospel truths. Maybe you're somebody that says, listen, I don't love theology. I don't like theology very much. Friends, Peter's been preaching theology to us this morning, but not just so that we can puff ourselves up with knowledge, so that we can have hope so we can have a hope that sustains us to praise even in the middle of trial. So dive deep into the gospel truths this week of this passage. I want to encourage you to do that. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Hope is something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that, 
believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. That's betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio. Better News Radio.